Hello, Brad here. Just to say we're super proud that the Friday 5pm podcast is sponsored by the Malt Miller, the UK's best home brew store. We use the Malt Miller for all of our homebrew experiments, as well as tapping them up for advice and binging on their awesome YouTube channel all the time. That's why whenever we release a homebrew video, we put a recipe kit live on the Malt Miller, so you can brew with the exact same amazing ingredients that we did. The same ingredients used by pro brewers. So alongside the Malt Miller's nitro-flushed hops, cold-stored yeast and milled-to-order malts, you can pick up recipe kits for our Five Points Best Bitter, Russian River West Coast IPA, and now the fastest beer in the world, a hazy session IPA that goes from grain to glass in less than 48 hours. Sign up to their newsletter at tinyurl.com forward slash maltmiller to get 5% off your first order. With the Malt Miller's amazing customer service and Johnny's 48-hour recipe, you could order the ingredients on a Monday and be drinking the beer by the weekend. Speaking of which, it's Friday. It's 5pm. So enjoy this week's Friday 5pm podcast. It's Friday, it's 5pm and I'm delighted to tell you it's time to crack a beer and enjoy some very lightly edited nonsense. Bradley, you doing okay? I'm doing alright mate, you better not edit out the good stuff, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> Have I ever? Uh, oh, surprisingly on this, no. <laughs> I've generally kept your derailments in. This is a mouthpiece for the Brad chat, the weirdness. Um, yeah, mate. What well, we've we've been busy this week, haven't we? Been up to all sorts of stuff. We have. It's been. I mean, our video this week. It was our biggest video of the year. That's all right, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, we knew that people were always interested and always asking what the difference between stout and porter is, but the response has been incredible. Um, yeah. <laughs> some doubt thrown back our way, but sure. Um, you know, history. History is not set, right? No, history is is written by the victor, or whatever that famous expression is. And when it comes to beer history, it's written by very drunk people um, <laughs> who, who might not remember exactly what happened in the pub. So it's it's an interesting one, I think. Whenever we touch upon any history of anything, we get a, a whole sort of swathe of people that, that, that sort of say, no, 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 you're totally wrong. And then, you know, within that community of people that are sort of naysayers, they are all kind of uh, in juxtaposition to each other about what they think is the correct history. So it's it's such a subjective thing um, that, you know, we I, I think you, you went to sort of very trusted sources uh, when when you kind of learned the history of, of Stouts and Porters Um you know, to one of probably the world experts, right? Yeah, definitely. I think kind of when it comes to British style brewing, um, historical British style brewing, there's sort of two sources you can really go to. One of them is Martin Cornell, Zitherfile, who I uh, love to use because I, I think he's a he's a great writer and um, has, has seriously done his research. The other person is Ron Patterson, who I think tends to focus more on sort of digging out old recipes and stitching things together, but also does a lot on beer history more generally. Um, so those are the two sources. We went with Martin Cornell for this one. And <laughs> uh, after a couple of days of being live, we we got Ron Patterson commenting on the video and saying that maybe, just maybe, there were some flaws in what we said. 
So, um, firstly, we'll just quickly talk about the video and then we'll get into uh, what we got wrong, <laughs> according to Ron Patterson. But, um, yeah, so this week we, we answered the age-old question of what's the difference between Porter and Stout. And we started by talking about what the difference is in modern times, which is we kind of concluded Porter is fruity, less roasty, milk chocolatey, um, and kind of complex and aromatic. And then the stout is roasty, drier, um, and as we talked about controversially, crisper. Mmm, quaffable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, I think we, we said, like, stout is a sipping beer and port is a thinking beer, which is, you know, yes. obviously a huge generalisation, but I think it helps... Um, perhaps differentiate the two and of course that is the exact inverse of what these beers were historically when stout was the bigger more complex uh, more expensive beer that had um, uh, been brewed to a higher gravity so was was stronger that's all that stout was it was stout porter strong porter and so porter would have been you know the quick drinking enjoyable slightly cheaper beer and stout would have been the complex thinking beer of, of the perhaps the wealthier people so it's it's almost flipped on its head a little bit now. Yeah, it's funny that. I mean, definitely you can with a porter being, you know, the dark fruits and the, the kind of milk chocolate and all that really rich sweet stuff going on. You and it and it hangs around in your mouth for a long time as well whereas a stout just kind of goes quite abruptly. Um you know that that you can luxuriate in that, whereas a, a, a stout is is just for crushing. Um, really, is I think what we came to. Um, should we get into the comments, Johnny, or do you want to do you want to go on in? Yeah, we should uh, investigate the idea of a stout being crisp, which I think was mm. the comment you picked out because you know people wouldn't generally associate probably a four and a half to five and a half percent heavily roasted thick dark beer crispy no no but well johannes repin certainly did and he said uh changing the narrative of hashtag crispy boy uh laughing face laughing face laughing face emoji i I think they are crispy boys you know it's um it's interesting because i saw uh obviously i follow bud light i follow all the macro brewers on on twitter to see what they're up to and they recently now bud light have adopted the term crispy boy so now that Crispy Boy is dead to us, uh, we have to say yeah. long live Crispy Boys and just change the meaning. And now we mean roasty stouts. Got you. So we're we're taking back ownership of Crispy Boy. Taking um, back Crispy but, Boy. But we're, we're changing it to uh, the dark stuff. I like it. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Just to and confuse people... everybody. That's that's the That was the aim of this video, pretty much. Because <laughs> the rest of the comments <laughs> were like, wait, what? Who? But I... Where? which kind of sums up most of the comments there. Um, so related to that crispy idea, the idea that these beers, these stouts, you know, finish really quickly because of the the roast and the bitterness that that's associated with, we also stumbled upon the idea that actually in lots of hot, hot parts of the world, particularly West Africa, the Caribbean, stouts are really, really popular. And we kind of wondered why that was. Um, and certainly the crispiness was our theory and could be right. But there were a couple of comments that were saying the main reason is because when stout is warmer, it doesn't taste as bad as, you know, like a warm lager, which is probably true. Hmm. I reckon that's a very good point. Um, I mean, obviously a warm lager is is an awful thing. 
uh, it, 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 it just sort of somehow loses everything that's great about it. Whereas if you've got a warm stout, I mean, a warm porter, I imagine, could actually be quite pleasant. Um, but a warm stout is definitely tolerable. I would say. Yeah, I mean, men it's, like stouts and porters were sometimes served warm with the they put a hot poker in there, which would yeah. caramelize some of the sugars and superheat the beer. So they were originally um, drunk that way, and definitely, I think when you've got a more complex beer and it warms up, you get more character. When you've got a much simpler beer and it warms up, you know, it, nothing is gained except it loses its you know crisp and refreshing character. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. That's the thing. Maybe a stout is innately refreshing and it's not to do with the temperature it's served at. It could be it could be a little bit sort of refreshing in the same way as a coffee. Um, you know, if you're drinking that hot or cold, it can be kind of refreshing if you're a coffee head. Um, I mean, an iced, iced coffee is really refreshing. Yeah, right. I think I think we just don't associate darkness with being refreshing, but actually, in the same way that a lager being you know dry and having a really crisp, quick finish from the yeast, stout can do the same by being really dry and having a really quick, crisp finish from the malt. You know, they they're two sides of a very different coloured coin. <laughs> This summer, I'm going to be hosting talks at the Manchester, Bristol and London Craft Beer Festivals, giving festival goers the chance to attend tutored tastings, rare beer pours, meet the brewers and even guided tours of the bars. These three festivals are the highlights of my events calendar, featuring some of the world's best breweries with delicious restaurant pop-ups, great music and a really welcoming party atmosphere. It's the third year I've been hosting the We Are Beer Tastings table, but for the first time I'm delighted to offer all of our listeners, viewers and Patreons £5 off a ticket when you use the code CBC5. Just hit the link in the description to buy. See you there. Yes. Okay. So crispy boys are now stouts. I love it. I yep. Love it. There we go. What we else, Johnny? It. What have you? Should we move on to some of the kind of more uh, history? Histrionics is that the word? I don't know what histrionics are. Sounds good. I don't know. It sounds um, epic though. So let's do that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, th- this this question of what's the difference between porter and stout has confused um, beer geeks and beer historians for a very very long time because most of the records that we have really are you know, marketing, which isn't always the best way to define a style or a moment in history, because when you're trying to sell something, you might not be honest. Um, I'm sorry if that's a surprise to anybody. Um, And the other reason is, you know, mostly they're looking at recipes as well. Um, And then obviously the work of drunks, as Brad has already talked about. So you have to sort of put all three of those things together and try and work out exactly what the overarching thing that was going on was. Um, so our story was that, you know, Porter came along as a response by breweries who had all their people, their distributors were buying their mild ale, aging it and selling it on as stale. So they were getting more money for it. Porter came along as a well-aged beer so that that kind of cut out that middleman, uh, profiteering. Um, we got that right. Okay. That that's mostly correct. 
but in a comment, Ron Patterson, under the phrase, uh, under the username Kilderkin, says that we got quite a lot wrong. So sh- shall I read it all out? Yeah, go on then. Go on then. So, <laughs> so and I'll, I'll preface this by saying that beer historians are often a little bit prickly. Um, so, Kilderkin, Ron Patterson says, Historically, there was absolutely no difference. Stout was just the name given to strong porters. In London, porter and stout were regularly party-guiled together, so their recipes were identical. That continued right up to the 1940s. So, party-guiled means um, using the same mash to get, you know, multiple multiple beers out of it. Um, yeah. On that, we agree with Ron Patterson. We, we said that and he says that. The stuff on the 18th century styles you got totally wrong. The two main styles were beer and ale, which came in three colours and could either be sold as mild or stale. Mild ale in the 18th century wasn't weak, lots would have been 7% or more. So, what we were saying when we said there weren't styles back then is they weren't thought of as different styles. Uh, what Ron Patterson saying is actually well, what we thought were geographical variations. There were variations within those geographies. So you could probably get three different colours of ale within the same region, made in the same region. So there were kind of styles, but they just wouldn't have been advertised as that. So there was, I guess there was more variation in brewing than we said there was in the video. So thank you very much, Ron, for, for clarifying that. Um, yeah. He also then says, just as an aside, um, that nobody was using brown malt after 1850. So our narrative of of English brewers still continuing with brown malt, that actually only went on for about 30 years. So while I think that still creates that split between, you know, the drier, pale and roasted malt porters of Ireland and the, the ones that use brown malt, that schism still happens, but it's not as epic as perhaps we made out in the video. Um, although he does say that in London, uh, there were, I don't know whether he means multiple breweries or whether it was just Whitbread who were using brown malt until the 1970s. Okay. So uh, there you go. I'm glad I've got my glasses on right now because this is very much a glasses kind of conversation. <laughs> I mean, I would I would argue that we kind of got it right, but Ron, uh, sorry, is it Ron? It is Ron, isn't it? Yeah. I just keep thinking of Robert Patterson whenever you say, say his name. The uh, Hollywood actor, <laughs> the famous vampire. Well, yeah, vampire. Now he's going to be Batman, isn't he? So I'm just picturing um, a sort of a, a, a kind of guy in, you know, sitting at his bright computer screen in the darkness, wearing a sort of Batman. Um, uh... <laughs> and every time somebody puts a video explaining the wrong history of Porter, there's a bat light yeah, in the yeah. sky. He gets in, gets in his yeah. Batmobile, and. He- and he's just saying, I will, I will tell you what is correct, you fools. And he's just sort of doing it in like that kind of real, you know, maybe a, maybe a Christian Bale style, um, you know, I can't even do it. But he did the best Batman, like just a like, fucking mental Batman voice. I, I, I loved those films, but I did just want him to clear his throat, you know? Mm. Yeah, he just, I mean, it must have really damaged. In the same way that Tom Hardy... Uh, when he does his, his just bonkers um, Bane voice, which I think is one of the funniest Hollywood voices ever. Uh, deeply strange. I'm, I can't, I'm not going to do it because I can't quite remember it, but it was very a very affecting voice. Maybe I'm picturing Ron sounding like Bane now, um, equally <laughs> angry, um, 
But hey, man, I think, you know, any knowledge that we can gain uh, is brilliant. So thanks, Ron. Yeah, no, I really appreciate it because he took some time to to yeah. write that down and, and gave us some extra information. So it's it's really good to sort of complement the video with that. And I guess make sure, you know, what we put out is what we've learned from our research and not all of it is going to be 100% correct. And if you go back to our early videos, mo- uh, most of what we say is 100% wrong. So <laughs> we're not saying yeah. that we're the authority on this. This is Exactly. I mean, our, we're learning along the way. Yeah. Yeah. And we're, we're learning all, along the way. We're trying to sort of um, build a community here and uh spread knowledge so you know our, our intention is never to to spread uh incorrect uh i won't say well incorrect knowledge i suppose so any anywhere where we where, where we drop the ball it's always good to to hear what we've done wrong and i think you know uh the, the sort of videos that we put out especially ones like this where there's quite a lot of um opinions either way uh people will read the comments so it's always worth um putting you know what you what you disagree with or what you agree with down in, in the comments on youtube um as long as you're not trolling because nobody likes to troll but um you know all, all this kind of discussion is 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 really positive and that's kind of the great thing about youtube that democratizes and gives everyone a voice we may have the channel um, we may be making the videos but um half of half of the fun is is all of the comments that compliment it and um you know ha- let it have a life beyond uh when we've shot that video when you've edited the video um, do you remember the days of video responses on youtube where there'd be a spat yeah. and they'd start making videos in response i want i want that about stout and porter that's that's what i want this video to start mm, i think what we should do is make a diss track we should do like <laughs> a um like a rap track that's dissing uh not Ron necessarily, but maybe dissing. No, the we'd, we'd lose that. We'd lose that battle immediately. We would. Although I'm not sure his rapping style is probably better than mine or yours. Um, Ron's a bit <laughs> I older. I don't think though. any of us should be rapping. Really, think I, I could probably do a pretty good sort of mumblecore style uh, mumble rap. I reckon. Okay. Um, well, um, tweeters or Instagrammers, if you want to see that, and I'll 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 make sure it's done. <laughs> oh shit! I, I want to hear the history of Stout and Porter mumble chord by Brad. Oh god, I've, I'm retracting my statement already. I've got a terror. I can't <laughs> sing. You don't have to be able to sing to do mumble rap anyway. So uh, I think mumble rap is quite a derogatory term. Actually, I should probably stop saying it. But it's the kind of the sort of mumbly rappers that are out these days. Rather than um, yeah, it's just a different style. Basically, it's a different flow. Anyway, I'm sure we'll get loads of people telling me what mumble core is. Um, yeah, should we talk about what should we talk about, Johnny? Well, we've got we've got our question next, Bradley. Oh, perfect, perfect. Get us away from the Brad rap <laughs> chat, <laughs> from Brad mumbling about mumblecore. Um, or, or I could do it in the voice of Bane, and you could do it in the voice of Batman. Just two men with sore throats, basically talking about Porter. I mean, that is essentially <laughs> what our podcast was. My throat was sore by the end of all that talking. He, I think, Batman, Christian Bale Batman, would be the perfect um, guy to front a Hall's Suvers advert. He um, would. You know, like a like you've got a real sore throat. Um, you're Batman, you know, you're out all hours of the night, out in the cold, dark streets, <laughs> well, rooftops of Gotham, and you're afraid, <laughs> you've got a tickly cough. And you've got a yeah, bit of a It's probably cold up there on the rooftops, isn't it? It's no wonder. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
that's it. He's basically got a heavy cold the whole time, which is why he sounds like that. <laughs> um, so yeah, Hall Seavers. I think you should reach out to Batman. Maybe you could. Maybe they've got a Hall Seavers um, light that they could project up in the sky <laughs> that uh, bat- would alert Batman to. Uh, or or what? What about this? Instead of the Batman logo getting put up in the sky when there's an emergency, it's a Hall's Seavers one. They do a takeover of the Batman light because they've sponsored him. So instead of wearing all black, um, murdered out kind of uh, stealth gear, he has to wear Hall Seavers like purple, um, <laughs> purple branded uh, cape. It's it's Brilliant, lucky right? it's lucky that uh, Bruce is a millionaire because otherwise Batman probably would have had to find some way to monetize himself and I think as yeah. soon as you crowdfund Batman you've lost it but if you're gonna put a, yeah. a whole soothers light in the sky instead of a Batman symbol no 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 self respecting criminal is going to be scared of that so it's lucky Batman no. never had to monetize yeah no um, I'm imagining his anyway, cape looking I'm, I'm just oh you want to. <laughs> I'm imagining his cape looking like our um, Patreon sponsor thing at the beginning of our our uh, videos. <laughs> just logos all just down a, his back. <laughs> just logos everywhere, all on his back. That'd be amazing. Um, uh, anyway, let's have this this uh, this. <laughs> let's message, have this eh? question. It's a much more serious yeah. question. Um, so this isn't a recorded one. This is a written one. Uh, if you want to send your question, you can either record it or write it and send it to craftbeerboys at gmail dot com. Uh, this comes from Michael Locke. Um, and he uh, he says, do you recommend any online beer subscription services like Beer 52 or Honest Brew? I've only experienced them from untapped rewards and would be interested to know the ethics behind some of them, like whether they pay the breweries fairly. Mm, so, good question. Big good question. question. Um, mm. So firstly, I need to declare my uh, interest in this, in the, uh, as you guys might know, I used to work for Cave Direct, who own Beer Merchants, the online retailer, and we had a beer club that did not do particularly well uh we we tried to do um what a couple of others are now doing like the first club which is you know very rare um very interesting and themed beer as well which is often quite tricky to do so we do like a lager month an ipa month a you know a belgian sour month all this kind of stuff so it was really for the for the geeks um the guys who aren't doing that um it's an interesting one because essentially what happens is and i'm i'm sure most people experience this is you join one of them you love the first six seven eight boxes and then once you've learned enough you start to go well wait a minute these aren't the breweries that i'm hearing all the excitement about the breweries that are making the best beer in the world and so suddenly you start hating on it um and move off into you know selecting your own beers you've learned enough and it's a great role that these uh subscription services play and i feel a bit i feel well i was gonna say i feel a bit bad for them i don't feel bad for them but it's a bit interesting that we you know we denigrate sort of almost pull the ladder up going you know you're an idiot if you're with beer 52 even though it's taken so many people on this amazing journey um so from that perspective you know if you're beginning in beer you know you've just had a couple of beers that have really excited you and you want to learn more beer 52 is, is pretty awesome particularly because you get the ferment magazine and again i write for ferment but it's a really great magazine with amazing writers like uh, melissa cole owen walsh matt curtis mark dredge uh me we all write for them and you know the quality of it is great and you'll learn a lot from that magazine and get you know some decent beers they're not all going to be winners um 
And there's lots of other great beer clubs as well. Like Flavorly's pretty good, although I think Beer 52 gets a better range um, and a better uh, better breweries. Uh, Honest Brew does a great job as well, although their customer service is a bit all over the place at the moment, I've heard. Um, and then there's sort of the really geeky ones like Fuss Club, um, which, I mean, you look at the beers that go out and they're absolutely amazing. It's very, very expensive, but they're absolutely amazing, the beers that go out. Um mm. In terms of the ethics behind them, um, Beer 52 has a really bad reputation for not paying breweries enough. Um, the one thing I would say is, you know, if the breweries, the breweries wouldn't, don't have to sell to Beer 52 and they decide to because either they can make the, uh, the finances work, you know, they can make a beer that will get them profit at that cost, which is typically between like 80 and £1.20 a, a, a bottle. But also they might see the marketing opportunity in that which I'm sure is part of Beer 52's pitch. It's like, you know, we can't, we can't, you know, we have to make a profit. We can't buy these beers at huge expense, but it's going out to, it's nearly like 200,000 members at the moment. So in terms of getting your beer in front of people, that's powerful. And it depends, you know, the brewery has to make, make that decision. I don't think the consumer can, because they're not involved in that discussion or in the pricing of it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know what, what you feel about that sort of ethical dilemma, Brad. Uh, I mean, yeah, who knows, man. I think, yeah, it probably do squeeze people. Um, I, I think that it can be a great gift to people. So, like, if maybe if you're a bit of a beer geek and you want to get your mates into beer, you could send them a subscription. Um, or, you know, you, you, you want to get your dad to drink some something other than uh boddington's or tetley's or whatever they might be drinking you know i think <laughs> it can be a good way of anymore i no, no no <laughs> probably not i'm just thinking of 90s adverts but um you know if if you've maybe you know you've got an older relative or someone that you're not you can't see in the pandemic it's a nice gift isn't it you can send them a crate of beers and uh you know they're, they're quite affordable really for what you get um yeah they might not be the most exciting beers or the most relevant beers from the most relevant uh, breweries that, that you, you would want to be trying. But I think anything that can get the word of craft beer out there is, um, is, a, is a force for good, potentially. Um, I mean, what I would say is we, we, although we don't do a beer subscription, we do do quite a lot of live taste-alongs um, on Craft Beer Channel. He's segueing everybody. He's segueing. I'm segueing, Johnny. I'm segueing, but I'm also sort of making a comment where you know, with with a a beer subscription box, um, you're kind of left to your own devices to drink those things. Whereas I think the more powerful way of doing it is to drink along with others, um, to to kind of share knowledge, share an experience almost pub-like, where you can be in your home and you're all kind of watching someone drink along. Um, I think that's, that's, a, that's a powerful uh, tool that a lot of these, these guys are not using yet. Um, so, you know, Beer 52 or whatever, if they were to do live drink-alongs, I mean, I've, we've muted this before. I think it's a no-brainer. I don't know why they're not doing it. I don't know why people aren't knocking our door down to say, hey, come do live taste along for our, our monthly subscription box. But, um, you know, I think that is a kind of missing element to a lot of these things. 
Well, I mean, as 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 I thought you were segueing to, we do, of course, do a monthly tasting box with a brewery or yeah. along a theme via beer merchants, and we do those live shows. And it's a nice way to finish by saying that we do have two coming up very soon, two very special events, in fact. Uh, one mm. is on the 27th of March with Five Points, and we're doing a, a, a digital car scale festival. So... Um, There'll be a video about this going live on Sunday from us and all the social starts on Monday. But basically, you'll be able to buy a mini keg of one of their three amazing cast beers. And also, if you want, bottles and cans of the rest of their range. And then we'll be having, uh, on the 27th of March, basically a cask festival where we've got cask round tables with Pete Brown and some... Um, breweries about the you know the future of cask we've got martin cornell coming on to talk about the history of porter uh to which we'll put some of ron patterson's thoughts i'm sure um and then we've also got pizza matching we've got uh like a little lesson in in what the difference between cask and keg is and how it has to be cared for a lot more and all this kind of stuff going on so that's one live show we've got coming and then a week later we've got one with siren so siren are trying to host a proper craft beer festival from um, from their brewery and will be one of the um, air quotes stages so there'll be the craft beer channel stage and there'll be lots of food matching talks um, brewing information and um, taste alongs going on on our channel as well and details will come out uh, probably the week after uh, week after next all around that but the case is already for sale so I'll put a link to that in the descriptions as well um, so yeah we've got lots of live events and I think I think you're right, Brad, that a lot of these um, a lot of these subscription clubs are putting the beer out there really well, but not necessarily putting the information out there at the same time, which mm. you know is something we'd we'd love to help out with if anybody's listening. So guys, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode uh, and what essentially amounts to the historical differences between Batmans. Um, we'll be back <laughs> on Wednesday with the second episode of our uh, 100k homebrew adventure for which we've got a really exciting finish, which I won't spoil, uh, but it's going to be an epic video. So I can't wait for you guys to see that. And of course, we'll be back on Friday at 5pm for some more lightly edited, although this week may be slightly heavier edited nonsense. Love and beer. The Bubble Podcast is brought to you by the nerds behind YouTube's Craft Beer Channel. Head to youtube.com slash the Craft Beer Channel to watch this week's video and over 400 more exciting episodes. If you love what we do, please, please, please do subscribe and even join our Patreon at patreon.com slash craft beer channel. Love and beer.